do. The greater things he promised we, we would do are fixing to happen because of the greater things we have faced that even generations before us have never faced. Where sin doth abound so much more, does my grace abound in the worst of times. The world shall lose its mind, and men's hearts shall fail them because of fear. And people will die for a lack of knowledge of who Jesus Christ really is. But the righteous shall prevail because the gates of hell shall not prevail against us. We shall run and not be weary. We shall walk and shall not faint because no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Come on, somebody, shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph. Lift up his name. Say Jesus. Say Jesus. One more time, Jesus. Oh, come on. At the very mention of his name, demons will tremble. There's power in his name if we'll just begin to proclaim it. We're being assaulted, but after this breakthrough moment tonight, freedom will return to this house of God. This anointing will break the yokes upon it, for where he is, Lord, there is liberty. So let's declare his name one more time. Somebody say Jesus. Hallelujah. See, there's a problem in the church when folks can come in here and sit comfortably in their sin and just sit there and never be convicted of the, of the Spirit of God. It's, it means we got a spiritual problem in the church. But do you remember when Jesus showed up the gatherings? I mean, when Jesus really showed up, the demons trembled and declared, we know who you are. What do you want with us? And he commanded them to flee, and they fled into the swine, resulting in a man who had been tormented to the point he resided in a graveyard, walking dead. Are you hearing me? But when the demons ran away from the presence of God, they left behind a man who was free and set back in his right mind because Jesus' presence was truly there. Deliverance was there. Healing was there because his presence was truly there. Don't tell me when the true, genuine presence of God is here that people aren't going to either run to him or run from him, but they can't stay here like they were because demons will tremble at the very mention of his name. I said Jesus. I said Jesus. I said Jesus. Now, what am I doing? I'm carrying the Spirit of the Lord through this place tonight. I come to tell you, I come to set this place loose, that we can break some bands off of this place to the point where I can say to oppression, in the name of Jesus, to the point I can say to depression, in the name of Jesus, to the point I can say to poverty, in the name of Jesus, to the point I can say to every affliction, in the name of Jesus, be healed. Why? Because he's Jesus. If you just say his name one more time, Jesus. I may be being unusually peculiar and strange, but I ain't in here playing no church tonight. I'm on the anointing of God. I'm exercising my faith. I'm determined to change the atmosphere of this night by inviting his presence to be here. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Come on, somebody. Your anointing is not to be just something you carry in your back pocket or your purse like a can of mace. No, 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 no. Your anointing ought to be like a bucket of grace to where you go around throwing it on somebody. It ought to make you brave. It ought to make you tenacious and willing. It ought to make you do things you never had the gall to do. It ought to be so radical. There should be times you have to carry your anointing to the bathroom and give it a good talking to. Now listen here, anointing. You're going to have to settle down just a little bit. You're just about to to cost me my job. I can't be out there checking folks out on my register and looking into their eyes and seeing their despair and wanting to lay hands on them and have them fall out on aisle five. 
I can't be shopping and singing worship songs and break out in a Holy Ghost dance on the produce aisle, knocking down displays and them having to call security to escort me out of the store. Oh, no, I'm getting thrown out of Walmart. But I hear the Spirit of God saying back to me, let them throw you out of Walmart. Just go to Kroger. Walmart isn't the only saving place. <laughs> Hallelujah. What am I trying to say is you should wear the anointing everywhere you go so more than just so that the church folks can see it. You ought to wear your anointing where the world can see it. Hallelujah. My got a little carried away there. Can't help it. It's just anointing. Told you I'll make you crazy. Now let me get back on track here. I want to take you to the book of Daniel, chapters one, two, three, to show you what I've been trying to tell some folks tonight. That God can do and has done what I'm telling you. He's promoted people who have been through the fire. Where they're no longer in the same position they were once in. There's the lives of four people I specifically want to talk to you about found in these three chapters. I'm going to move quickly in telling their stories. There are Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I want to set this up by sharing their story first. Many of you know it. But let me remind those who do, and let me enlighten those who don't know the story. Let me interject the same God. It's the same God then. It's the same God now. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. In Daniel chapter 1, let's read verse 1 to set up the timeline. It says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. In other words, overthrowed it. And Jehoiakim was out, and King Neb, like I like to call him, was, at, was in as the king. King Jehoiakim was the son of King Josiah. Josiah did what was right in God's eye. But Jehoiakim did what was evil in the sight of God. Therefore, God allowed them to be seized by their enemy. This was the first of three attempts to destroy Jerusalem. King Neb was allowed by God to do this. Verse 2 says, And the Lord gave King Jehoiakim into his hands. Why? You'd have to read the prior stories to find the reason. But to simply put, because Israel had turned their back on God, and God used their enemy to bring judgment upon them. The king immediately instructs the master of the eunuchs to bring to him men that had been captured that could turn into great leaders for the kingdom in Babylon. You must know that King Neb's men were Chaldeans, mean, ruthless soldiers. Chaldeans were known for their astrologers and their sorcerers and their idolatry. King Nebuchadnezzar wanted them to pick out men of Israel who were good-looking men, healthy-looking men, men full of knowledge and wisdom that can be conformed to speak and become like the Chaldeans, men who would adapt to their pagan culture. He was looking for the best of the best that could be trained. Now that he was king, he wanted men who could conform to their customs and worship their gods. Sounds like a woke culture to me. Even down to the point of eating only what they ate, delicacies and drink certain wines according to their customs. And he wanted to put them through a strenuous three-year training program. That was certain to teach them the language and the customs of the Chaldeans so they could serve the king submissively. Well, it was Daniel and Meshach and Shadrach and Abednego who met the criteria. Because of their healthy outward appearances and reputations of courage and strength they possess, as well as their knowledge and wisdom. But according to verse 8, there's more to changing a man's heart than just changing his appearance. A man must serve you with all his heart to be a true servant of yours. Size and stature alone are not enough. We found this to be true of David. David was a little rudy, little red-headed boy, not of great stature like his seven brothers, but God chose him to be king because of his heart. 
Inside of him was a heart that loved God more than all the other seven put together, and God described him as a man after his own heart. But verse 8 says, though, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portions of the king's delicacies nor the wine which they drank. Therefore, he requested not to have to partake of it. The king's diet would include meats that the Jews were forbidden to eat. The food and drinks of the king were devoted to idols. Daniel was making a stand all on his own, not willing to conform or compromise his beliefs or his relationships with his God or to an immoral culture or customs. He was not willing to defile his body that was being dedicated to God. And verse 9 says, God had given Daniel favor with the eunuchs. Verse 10 says, however, the eunuchs were fearful Daniel's convictions might bring them harm with the king. In verse 12, Daniel suggested to them, to test the servants, give them vegetables and water for 10 days and see if it makes a difference in their health and their stamina compared to the ones who eat the king's delicacies and they agreed to, to do the test. At the end of 10 days, Daniel's appearance appeared better and fatter in the flesh than the ones who ate the king's delicacies and drank the wine. As a result, they began to feed all the men vegetables and water. And verse 17 says that God gave these four men knowledge and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. At the end of their training, the king summoned these four men, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, to interview them. Upon doing so, he was highly pleased with them. And verse 20 says, in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians an astrologer who was in his realm. What did I tell you God was going to do in my opening remarks? That his genuine spirit is going to be greater than that of all of this witchcraft, of all this magician sorcerer stuff going on, who are nothing more than counterfeits in these last days. That God's going to raise up men and women with greater power, wisdom, and knowledge to counter the spirit of this age to destroy the works of the enemy. A greater anointing that will send our enemy retreating and freeing people of their bondages of fear, oppression, and depression. You know, there were some great apostles and teachers and preachers in the beginning of time. But I'm convinced the greatest could still be yet to live in the end of times. Matter of fact, some of the greatest are coming back during the tribulation period. These four men were chosen to serve the king and not a good king. Look at their position that they were in. Chapter 2 says, quickly, let me show you something else. I'm headed somewhere with truth and proof of what God has sent me to tell the church tonight. Chapter 2, verse 1, to set the timeline now says, Now in the second year of King Neb's reign, King Neb had dreams. The spirit was so troubled, his sleep left him. In other words, he was having some pretty good nightmares. In verse 2, he commands all his astrologers, get the magicians, get the sorcerers, or any Chaldean to interpret his dream. They responded to the king's request by asking the king to tell them the dream. Then they could interpret it. But King Neb says, no, if you're really who you men claim to be, you tell me the dream and the interpretation. And if you can't, I'm going to have all you fake people cut into pieces. But if you can, I'm going to greatly reward you. The Chaldeans answered, there's not a man alive who can do what you're asking, O king. And King Nebuchadnezzar comes fiercely and commands that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. The decree, decree went out, and even Daniel and his companions were on this list. And Daniel hears of the king's decree, and he goes and sees the king. And he asks him for more time that he would give him the interpretation. Well, Daniel goes back home, and he lets Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego know of this dilemma, of the position that they have been placed in. 
asking them to help pray that he might seek God for the answer to the king's secret so their lives might be spared. Verse 19 says, The secret, the interpretation of the king's dream came to him in a night vision. And Daniel praised God for his help. Verse 24 says, Daniel goes to the king's captain and says, Take me to the king, and I will tell him the interpretation. So he does. The king asks Daniel, Are you able to do this? And Daniel says, the secret the king has demanded the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, and the soothsayers cannot declare to the king. And church, that still rings true today. Everybody's looking for answers in the wrong places. They're seeking psychics, and they're calling psychic lines, and they're reading horoscopes, and they're asking their friends, and they're asking their neighbors, and no one has the answer. Never will man's wisdom simply have the answer. There's only one God who knows it all, who's omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient. He knows every secret. These counterfeiters are limited to their knowledge and power. So Daniel declares to this to the king. He says, these men don't know, but there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. And he has made known to you what will be in your latter days. And Daniel declares, as for me, this secret has not been revealed to me because I have more wisdom than anyone living. But for our sakes, who makes known the interpretation of the king and that you may know the thoughts of your heart. In other words, he gives it to us to protect us and to reveal to you your wicked heart. And Daniel tells him his dream, and then he gives him the interpretation of his dream. He told King Nebuchadnezzar how another kingdom would come and destroy his kingdoms, no matter how great he made them. Upon the king hearing all this, he fell prostrate in front of Daniel and commanded to be rewarded as he promised. And he said to Daniel, Truly your God is the God of gods, the Lord of kings, and a revealer of secrets. Verse 49 says, Daniel, thinking not of only himself, also petitioned the king for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be used to help govern the affairs of Babylon, and the king granted it. But it was Daniel who sat at the gate of the king. Now, I must move to chapter 3, the final piece before I put this all together in your eyes. We know Daniel's position now. But let's talk about his companions, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in chapter 3. King Nebuchadnezzar decides to build an image of a gold, uh, golden idol, a false god, still due to his wicked heart. The height was 60 cubits, his width was 6 cubits. That's 90 feet tall, 9 foot wide. In our measurements, he set it up in Babylon. And King Nebuchadnezzar, upon it being built, summons all his key leaders of his kingdom to attend a ribbon cutting, dedicating this image to the king was, as it was pronounced. The king had his herald read the decree to all. He cried out aloud, to you. It's commanded, O oh, people, all nations, all languages, in other words, to everyone in this kingdom, that when you hear the king's musicians play music with all their instruments as the sound of a symphony, you're to fall down on your knees and worship this golden idol, this image. Whoever does it will be cast into a fiery furnace to perish, was the command. Now, most all did what was commanded, but there were three men named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who refused to offer their worship to an idol god. They had a god. They'd always worship, and would not worship any of the God, especially a false image. They would not compromise their worship for their true living God, for a false God who deserved no worship. Certain Chaldeans witnessed them refusing to do, and they reported their disobedience to the king. He told the king they're not bowing down at the command. These Chaldeans go to the king and remind him and made a decree that he made a decree and that he said if anyone refused, that he'd throw them in a fiery furnace. Their report to King Nebuchadnezzar made him furious, so he sent for these three boys. He questions them, is this true? What's been told? They refuse to answer. So the king says, very well, we'll just find out right now. 
play the music, boys, and let's see what they do, whether they bow or not. And he warns them, if you do not bow, there is no God to save you from my hands, and you'll be cast immediately into the fiery furnace. Then finally responding to the king, and then they finally respond to the king saying, we have no need to answer you in this matter. They say to the king, if that's the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand. They were saying, if you do what you say, our God will defend us. And they went on to say, but if not, if he doesn't deliver us, let it be known to you, O king, that we did not serve your God, nor did we worship the golden image you have set up. In other words, if we die in that furnace today, we'd rather do that knowing we did not serve any other God than the one that we do know. We'll only be guilty of dying for the one true God we believe in. And we'd rather die a martyr than a sinner. And Paul put it, whether I live or whether I die, I'm the Lord's. These men were not willing to compromise just because things got hard. And verse 19 says, King Nebuchadnezzar came furious to these men and their responses and challenges to his authority. I mean, he's a king. He has all power, he believed. He hadn't come to realize who the king of kings was just yet. He was so mad, he told his soldiers, heat the furnace up seven times hotter than it's ever been. He commanded certain mighty men of valor to bind them, boys, and cast them into the fiery furnace. They were taken immediately, clothes, hats, all, and were bound and thrown into the furnace. The flames of the furnace were so hot that the men who threw them in the furnace were even killed by the fire. Then in verse 24, the king is astonished by what he saw. While he's watching the fire in the furnace from a safe distance, he saw the three men go inbound. Yet he raises a question. Did we not throw three men inbound into the fire? They answered, that is true, O king. The king hollers, look. I see four men loosed and walking in the fire, and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth man is like the Son of God. King Nebuchadnezzar went towards the mouth of the furnace, and he commanded the boys, come out of the furnace. And they did. All the great leaders of the kingdom watched and witnessed as these three boys came walking out of this fiery furnace, witnessing that the fire of this furnace had no power over their bodies. Not a hair on their head was singed, nor their body burned, nor their clothes. They didn't even smell like smoke. Oh, we're fixing to get somewhere in just a moment. King Nebuchadnezzar, in verse 28, said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted him. And they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies so that they should not serve nor worship any god except their own god. In verse 29, King Nebuchadnezzar says, Therefore I make a decree that any people of any nation or language which speaks against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, God shall be cut into pieces and their houses burned to the ground. And I like what else he says. Listen as to why he decrees this. He says, because there is no, say no, no other God who can deliver like this. Can you understand tonight that that is still true today? There is no other God who can deliver us like this. No other God who can deliver you like this. Regardless of your situation, regardless of your circumstances, regardless of what condition or position you are in, we must always put our trust in God and declare that he can deliver us and be good with it even if he don't. That whether I live or whether I die, I'm the Lord's. I'm going to be promoted either way. Whether he heals me here or he heals me there, he will hear me, heal me. Whether he delivers me here or he delivers me there, he will deliver me. I just have to make the right decisions for his provisions. I have to decide what God am I going to serve. 
Whether it be the God of the heathens, the astrologers, the sorcerers, the magicians, or Jehovah God Almighty, the one and only true living God who can deliver me. Now, let me put this together because I want to confirm my opening remarks and decree that God's fixing to promote his people, his church, to a new level of power and anointing and authority. That in these last days, God's fixing to start promoting men and women God. Who's that going to be? Well, let me show you what I didn't show you. As I talked to you about Daniel in chapter 1, I left out verse 48 for a reason until now. As I talked about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in chapter 3, I left out a verse, verse 30, for a reason until now. So I'm going to go back and pick them two verses up to show you my point, what God is saying to the church tonight. In chapter 1, I told you everything Daniel went through and how Daniel refused to compromise his God for any other gods or idols, and he refused to allow the wickedness of an immoral culture to transform his heart. He was tested by this king, and he was not willing to waver. And as a result, let's read now what I didn't read earlier. Chapter 1, verse 48. Because of the stand Daniel took when the testing, with the testing of his faith was over, verse 48 says, Then the king promoted him and gave him many gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief administrator of all the wise men of Babylon. When did he promote him? After he wasn't willing to compromise and pass the test of his faithfulness to the God he served. He remained faithful to God. He showed his enemies mercy. He stood brave and courageous under the anointing of God, regardless of the position and the condition he was in, and declared truth to the king, regardless of the consequences he could have faced, and as a result of his unwavering faith, he was promoted. Who actually promoted him? The king? No. It was the king of kings and the Lord of lords who gave him favor. And because of the stand he took in the midst of an immoral culture and an ungodly king, his God promoted him. Now this righteous man is overseeing the evil kingdom of Babylon. If God raised someone righteous up then, he can raise someone up righteous now. Now let's pick up with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who faced their greatest trial, their faith, and let's see what the result of their faith was. Let's go to that verse 30 that I left out to now show you. These three men weren't willing to bow down to the gods of this earth, to any false image or any ungodly king, even if it meant dying in a fiery furnace. They chose to obey God and not man. When man was going to lead them astray from their God, they have known all their lives to be true to their one and only God. Just because they're going to have to go through the fire. They believed that even if they did, God would deliver them in their fire. But even if he doesn't, he's still going to be their God. And they'd rather go through the fire and let their faith please God rather than avoid the fire or a false hope or a false God. They were not willing to compromise as a result what happened to these boys. It's found in verse 30, which I haven't read. Let's read it. After they passed their test. After they were unwilling to, un to not compromise their beliefs. Verse 30 says, Then the king promoted them. He promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. When were they promoted? After they went through the fire, the trial, the affliction, the testing of their faith. Why were they promoted? Because they weren't willing to deny their God regardless of their situation. 
They truly stood firm in their beliefs that God would never leave them nor forsake them. And as a reward to their faithfulness, the king promoted them. Church, it wasn't the king. It was actually the king of kings who promoted them. Placing them above all the great leaders. Placing them above all the astrologers. Placing them above all the sorcerers. Placing them above all the counterfeits of this earth. And I've come to tell you now, <clears throat> who's going to be promoted is those like Daniel, who will not compromise their beliefs, nor will not confirm to any immoral culture or customs, and will not serve any of the gods but Jehovah God Almighty. He's going in these last days to promote those like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who find themselves in the trials of their lives, bound in their very own fiery furnace of affliction and tragic circumstances. But regardless of your position, you have kept on believing in your God. You have stood firm and, been, and you've been fast to declare. And no matter what situation I'm in, I trust my God with my life, my spouse's life, and my children's life. I'd rather trust them. I'd rather trust them with him and lose them to him than to trust men and lose them to hell. What it says in chapter 3, verse 28. God's going to send his angels to deliver his people who trust him. I've come to tell the Daniels, the Shadrachs, the Meshachs, and the Abednegoes, God's fixed to promote you to where you will be the remnant of faith and power that will overcome this world and the spirit of this age. You will possess the true, genuine spirit of God that when evil appears, your spirit will repel the forces of that evil nature. Therefore, conquering and canceling the assignments of our enemy. And men and women who are in bondage will be set free from the wiles of their enemy. The spirit of this age, the astrologers, the sorcerers, the witchcraft will be expelled by the spirit of God that worketh through you. His church will be promoted over regions of this earth to be a conqueror of the enemy's schemes. We're in the greatest, most unusual assault of our enemy. But palace of praise, get ready. God's fixing to promote this church where thus saith the Lord will overpower the false doctrines of our enemies. What is now dark will become light unto our world. I want to tell the Daniels and the Shadrachs and the Meshachs and the Benegos, whether they're here or not, I proclaim to every believer going through the battles of their life and to every other Daniel, Meshach, and Benegos in this building, get ready. God's fixed to promote you because you've been unwavering, uncompromising your beliefs, and you have trusted God through your fire. This church is purposed unto greatness, and our adversity is propelling. This is the propelling force that will make us stronger and more tenacious in our faith than we've ever been before hallelujah now here's how i'd like to bring this thing to a close i told you it wasn't gonna be long musicians if you'll come i want to finish preaching this to you right here if everyone that would would humble yourself and make your way to this altar I want you to hear the rest of this message. Would you come? Come on in. Make room for him.
Church, we've been in some tough positions for some time now. Many of you found yourself in some of the most uncomfortable positions, the most hopeless positions, some of the worst conditions of your life ever. Many of you can say, I've been persecuted, but I've not been destroyed. I've been abandoned, but I've not been defeated. I've been cast down, but I refuse to stay down. Because I believe my God will deliver me, even if he don't. Let it be known this night. I did not forsake my God because I believe my God would never forsake me. And I came forward tonight to testify of my unwavering faith. That I may be in a fire, but I know that my God's in it with me. And I believe God's fixing to astonish the wicked leaders of this world who believe the church is no longer relevant. When they see with their very own eyes that the Son of God is with us because righteousness will always exalt a nation. And God sent me to speak to the Daniels and the Shadrachs and the Meshachs and the Benigos in this room. You've labored and you've labored, but it's time to be promoted by the Spirit. It's time for your faith to grow stronger than ever. It's time for a new, fresh wind of the Spirit to refresh you. And God's fixing at least greater knowledge and wisdom and insight in the spirit to the believers like never before. He's going to give us favor as he gave Daniel to overcome the wickedness of this kingdom. And God's going to promote those who have been through the fire and have trusted God like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those who have refused to bow down to this wicked generation and to the idolatry of this nation. There's only one God you declare that you'll ever bow to. And whether you're promoted on this earth or in heaven, your rewards are going to be great. God's got people who are fixing to walk out of their fires, and people are going to witness that the fire never destroyed you because your God delivered you. It didn't destroy you. It just made you stronger because God promoted you to a new level. And what he allowed to use to promote you, you've had patience, and you've let patience do its perfect work in you. And I've come to tell you, God says, your time is due. It's time, God says, for me to promote you. And you, and you, and you, and you, to exalt you. To take you to a new level, a new faith, a new anointing. To raise you up. God says in these last days, my church, not your church, God says my church will be tenacious, strong, and of courage. I will raise my church up that in the last days you will overcome the world because I have overcome the world. If you're ready for God to change your position, to change where you've been, would you just raise your hands up in this place? When I look at the faces, every single one of you are so, so due for a promotion, so due for God to take you to another level, to take you past what has been, to take you to where what can be. And I believe the Spirit of God is in this place and it's going to begin to move on from you. 
I'm going to ask these guys to begin to worship. And as they worship, seek the Lord tonight. God wants to do something new in you and through you. He wants to reposition you to a new position that will take you out of your conditions. Once again, if you would please raise your hands and let us begin to pray. Father, right now I come to you in the precious name of Jesus Christ. You have spoken to us, God, that you've always noticed our efforts. You've always noticed our hard work. You've always noticed our diligence. You've always seen us trying and striving and, and go, sacrificing and going through the things that we've gone through, God. But it's so refreshing tonight to know, God, it's due time. You spoke to my heart, God, that things are going to change in this atmosphere. Lives are going to change in this atmosphere. That the Spirit of God is going to begin to move upon the people in this place. Many have been in the position for so long, God, they felt like that's where they're going to have to stay. It's a lie. Many have been felt like they've been overlooked. It's a lie. Many have felt like their, their position is hopeless. It's a lie. And you simply sent me night, dear God, Lord, to speak truth into the life of every person here that they might receive a new position in their life, Father. And tonight, God, Lord, I believe in the anointing of the Holy Ghost. We're going to lay hands on one another, Father, Lord. And many are going to be touched by your spirit, O oh God. Have your way. I'm 
of the Holy Ghost moving in our lives like it's never moved before. Don't be afraid of these last days. Know that greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. That God has come to anoint his church in this last day outpouring. We will conquer the enemy. We will cancel the assignment that's been placed on our life because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. God bless you. God's taking you to a new position, a new height, a new level, a new anointing to do the work for the kingdom of God. Why? Because you have been found faithful. Give God praise before you're dismissed. <laughs>